Yes, guys, welcome to The Good Life. This is our fourth, fourth talk of the week. Who's come to any seminars in here this week? Amazing. Who's enjoyed it? Who feels like they can run a good life? Amazing. We're going to hear some more truth today. So on my right, I've got a very, very dear friend of mine, Rebecca Walker, who you all know because she's on the main stage and she's amazing. And she is amazing at bringing truth and she is authentic and she loves Jesus and she is not going to lie to you. She's going to bring you a lot of truth. So let's receive her really well. Let's listen. Yeah. Give it up for Bex. Oh, you guys are so kind. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming. Today, we are going to look at salty behavior. Now, quite a few people came up to me and was like, I'm a bit unsure of what it means, like, what's with that salty behavior? And I just want to get a show of hands if anyone has a gist of what I think, what I'm going to talk about today. Okay, okay. Well, I hope that what you think I'm going to say, I actually say. Right, um, I'm going to begin this seminar. I need a few volunteers. I need two volunteers. Young man, do you want to come up? And young lady, just come. Brilliant. Thank you. Give these guys a hand. Right, I have some chicken here. <laughs> I have chicken here that is seasoned. And I have some chicken here that is maybe seasoned. Right, I need both of you to take a bite of both of them and you tell me which one you think has the most flavor. Oh, sorry, I only brought one fork, so you might just have to use your hands. You take a bite of this one. Sorry, oh, do you want to show everyone? Oh, she took a, the tiniest bit. You didn't even get the bit of this. Okay, fine. Come on. What's your, sorry, I didn't even ask your name. What's your name? Temi. Temi, yes, because we met yesterday. And what's your name, young man? Elias. Elias, nice to meet you. Well, maybe take a bit of the, the skin. That's the bit, that's the driving. Nah, that's the driving. Take a bit of the skin. I think you're not going to get any flavour on that bit. Come on. Oi, he's gone all the way in. <laughs> she had to get the water out. So, guys, can you just tell me what you think of the flavour of that chicken. Oh, maybe not you, Alice, because you, you got a while to get that down. But tell me, can you tell me what you thought of that chicken? It was dry. Okay. Yeah, it was kind of dry. I mean, I just got it from the kitchen. Yeah, I can taste the seasoning. You can taste the seasoning? Brilliant. Oh. Oh, bless you. I feel, oh, we gave you too much, didn't we? Do we have any like, bottles of water? Oh, no. You, are you going to be all right? Can you kind of tell us what that chicken tastes like? Okay, we're just going to leave Ellis there. But Tammy told us that it was kind of flavoursome. Right, now I need you to taste this bit of chicken for me. <laughs> yeah, take a small bite. Don't do what Ellis did. Yeah, sorry, sis. Sorry. <laughs> she says she can't even bite this chicken. So can you tell us the difference between the two bits of chicken, even though they are a bit dry, but in terms of the flavour, what, what was different about it? Flavourless. And this one? Has flavour. Has flavor. Oh, I should have put the hot sauce on there, then that might have been better. Should we put a bit of hot sauce on it? 
um, Yasmin, who's in the Rhythm Factory, she actually had this in her bag, so big up, Yasmin. Come on. Come on. She said thank you. Praise Jesus for the hot sauce. But give it up for these guys, please, everyone. So the reason I got those guys to come up, obviously, is to emphasize why salt and flavor is super important. Now, the Bible tells us in Matthew 5.13, and we're going to read it together, that we are called to be salt of the earth, and we are also called to be the light of the earth. So if you have your Bibles, or if you've got a Bible app on your phone, please can you turn to Matthew 5 verse 13. And it says this, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people who light a lamp put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's just pray. Father, help us this afternoon to understand what it means to be salty people in, a, in this world, God, where there is so much darkness, Father, where there's so much um, that glimmering um, uh, awfulness, Father, and there's sometimes people feel like there's little hope. But Jesus, thank you that you are the hope of this world. Thank you that there are many of us here who've called on your name, Jesus, um, to, to be salt and light in this earth, God, to bring the good news, Father, to the lost and to the broken and people who feel marginalized and people who feel like I don't even belong. And I just pray, Father, as, as I just bring this word, Father, that people's hearts will be open to hear. I pray, God, in our response time that we would really uh, be just ready to take on the challenge and take on to be salt of this earth, Lord. I pray, help us to be salty people in this earth, in your name Jesus amen brilliant now I grew up in a Caribbean household so obviously I do not know what bland chicken tastes like so you know it's just I'm sorry Temi and Ellis that you had to eat that but I just wanted to just demonstrate that actually when we have food that is salted or when it is like uh, seasoned sorry in salt it tastes so much better it tastes so much better and um, in today's like, culture, when we say, what's with that salty behavior? Does anyone know that when we use the word salty, it means to be bitter, doesn't it? It means to be bitter. It means you're a bit jealous. You might be a bit envious of people. It's a bit like, no, man, why have you got that attitude? Or, you know, you see somebody who's doing something amazingly and you're going, no, how comes this person gets that even though you know, I've been that faithful person? And you're just like, that person just seems to be getting blessings over there and good things are coming to them. And you can get a bit salty about that sometimes. Have we all been there where we're feeling a bit like, oh, God, like, how comes this person is receiving this and they get to do that even though they did, I know what they did last week? Do you know what I mean? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And the kind of salt that Jesus is calling us to be in this, um, in this scripture is the kind of salt that really preserves and really brings forth the goodness of Jesus. Now, 
So in biblical times and back in the back 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 in the day, I can't do dates. I'm really sorry, but back in the day, um, salt was used to preserve things, and um, if salt is used to preserve things, it means it keeps it for a long time. So when we're saying we want you to be salt of the earth, it means that actually the earth that God has given us, which is His gift to us, we're here to protect it. We're here to bring the goodness of Jesus. We're here to take care of the animals, and we're here to take care of other people. And not only is salt used as a preservative, salt also kills bacteria. Now, I don't know how many of you do this, but if you get like slugs on on the ground, do any of you have that like outside your house and they just kind of come up from a, yeah. Salts, uh, salts, slugs are actually so butters. They're just so butters. But what's so good about salt is that if you put it on a slug, it kind of causes the slug to die. And it's like similar. I don't know who's like, you know, when you get a a sore throat, I don't know how many of you do this, but like if you gargle with salt, uh, salt water, the salt hits at the back of your throat and it can kill bacteria instantly. So we can see that salt is a really good thing. It has all these different uses. It has all these different ways to preserve food. And in the same way, this is how we are to be in society. Now, when it says you are the salt of the earth, but if, it loses the, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be trampled underfoot. Now, sometimes when I read the Bible and I see thing, read things that says except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot, I'm like, why does the Bible describe things like that? Like the Bible is actually very dramatic sometimes. I'm like, okay, God. Um, but this is why I love the Bible because it is dramatic. Um, but the point that it's making there says when it's salt loses its salt, it can't be made salty again. It's literally impossible for salt to regain saltiness if you've like watered it. So if you put like the salt, when you put salt in water, you can taste salt. But if you keep pouring more and more water in it and you keep mixing, the salt like slowly evaporates and then it can just be a bit of like slightly tasteless, kind of weird tasting water, but it doesn't really taste super salty. And when you've walked in, when you choose to follow Jesus, um, I don't know if any of you in the 50, if, if you've been in the 15 to 18s and Andrew described yesterday, when Jesus comes into your life, when you have fully taken on and been like, Jesus, I want you to be Christ of my life, something dramatic really happens. And, you know, I think sometimes there's a misconception that when you become a Christian, that you lose who you are. And I just want to say that that's not true. Like, you know, I accepted Jesus, but, you know, I'm still Becca who likes to crack a bit of bants. I'm dancing in the mirror. I'm on Instagram stories being like, yeah, I'm in a rave, you know. But ultimately, my love for Christ and who Christ um, has called me to be and what I've been called to do is the forefront of my life. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I think when it's talking about salt, like, which is, and when I'm looking across the room, I'm seeing so many different kinds, so many different kinds of people. It's like God has made us so individual and in our individuality, we can be salty in lots of different areas. And I just think that's so beautiful because God, you know, we think so one dimensional and so introspect that it's about me, 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 me sometimes. And it's like, oh, it's about how I feel. Um, But God just never think, thought like that. He was thinking we need all these different kinds of people because actually there are so many people who don't know Jesus, so many different people in different scenarios and different situations who's going to require your salt in life and who's going to require you to be people who, are, uh, who dare to be different. And when I say dare to be different, I mean as in standing for things that sometimes people are like, no, wh- why are you standing for? Like, uh, why are you standing for that? Like yesterday I explained in, if any of you are in the Tough Questions seminar, um, I work in radio and there's a lot of explicit music that's played. Now, I'm so, I love music, yeah? Like I love music. And my, little, my name on like social media and stuff is that like, related to music. 
But often I'm quite convicted that like some music is not salty and some of the music is... Um, is actually more like detrimental. And I had to challenge my boss man because I was saying this music that we're playing is really not edifying to women and it's not edifying to anyone because it's perpetuating a culture that at the moment we're really saying we don't want to stand for anymore. And, you know, when, it, when I'm saying, and I'm, you know, when I'm saying to you that you guys need to be salts and you're called to be salts of the earth, it means going against the grain. It means going against the things that this society said, no, that's fine. Oh man, just allow it. Like it, it's fine. They just like the vibe. They just like the groove. Don't get me wrong. It's good to like the vibe and it's good to like the groove. But there's something deeper um, about um, being, salty, like being salty and saying, I do like this, but like, God has called us to be really honouring to people. God has has called us to be people who stand for things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. It's a scripture in Philippians 4 verse 8. And I'm just, uh, when I meditate on that scripture, I'm like, well, is this, was this song true? Was this pure? Was this lovely? Was this admirable? And it really wasn't. It was just explicit. It was quite demeaning. And I had to be brave and say to this guy, that I just don't think we should be playing this song on the radio. And I just was like, you know, it's hard sometimes when you call out people who are more senior than you. Have you ever felt where you're in a situation in school or in sixth form where there are people that you want to challenge their behavior, but you're kind of fearful of what they're going to say because it might be they're going to reject you. Do you has any of you experienced that? And it can be really fear, like it can be really fearful, isn't it? Like you can be super fearful of what people think because you're like, I know that this is right, but the world say, no, no, it's fine. And, you know, I really want to encourage you, again, just if you're in the 15 to 18s this morning, Andrew made such a valid point that when you're in Christ, when, G- when you are following Jesus, it's not about who you are, it's about who he is. And actually, if, and on uh, Wednesday, when he was talking about Jesus, king of the sea, it says, take heart for I am. And I think sometimes when we go into certain scenarios, we, we go in as a martyr. So if you see something that you're not, you're thinking, no, that's not right. Oh, I've heard this and this person's done that. That's not right. You want to go in that, that mindset like, oh, I've got to go. I've got to go and I've got to stand and be the, the warrior person for this. And I just want to challenge that behavior because I don't think that's always the best behavior either. It's not always good to go into a scenario thinking that you're going to have to fight some mad battle. And I think, you know, sometimes when we have that behavior of, sorry, not that behavior, when we have that mindset that I need to go in and fight a battle, um, you can go fighting a battle unarmed and actually very unprepared because you've gone in with your fleshly thought and not your saltiness, which is where you find and you grow in being more salty for Jesus when you spend time in prayer and you spend time in God's word. Now, can I just get you to say, what's with that salty behavior? Again, what's with that salty behavior? Well, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, at the end of this seminar, like I really wanted to spend some time just praying for you guys um, about people who want to be culture changers and people who want to, um, and I want to pray for your friendships as well, because I feel like half the time when we come to New Day and I'm saying to you guys, I need you to be the salt of the earth, or Jesus calls you to be salt of the earth, to go out and dare to be different and to, to talk about things and to go against the grain of things, it's easier said than done. 
But I found that when I've had friendships or friends of people who are walking the same journey as me, who are who love Christ and they're like, I want to go and I want to proclaim the gospel and I want to um, bring Jesus into my schools and into my sports environments. It's easier when you get to do it with people rather than doing it by yourself. Would you agree? Yes. Yes. And so just my last point on being um, the salt of the earth and being um, salty, I think it's worth just like mentioning that actually when you're going to be salty in your schools and in your, um, in your social groups or in your sporting groups, drama groups, whatever it is that is, that you're going to face pushback on those things. And we have a very real enemy. His name is Satan. And when you want to go out and stand for something that Christ stands for, he don't like it. He's like, nah, that salty Christian who's trying to go and spread the good news of Jesus or trying to be somebody who, is, um, who stands for something different and goes against the grain of what everyone else is doing. He, he's going to try to swipe your knees and your ankles. And the Bible tells us that we need to put on the armor of God. Anyone know about the armor of God? Yes, good. And he talks about that we need to put the armor of God. And one of the ways that we can put on our armor of God, what I've just said, is being in the word. Now, if you're rooted, I'm telling you guys to be salty, but you can't just, you can't be salty by being like, yeah, I've accepted Jesus, which is amazing, which is the first step. But in order to continuously be salty, you need to be spending time here in the word. Because the word is the solid foundation in which you can stand. And when people are coming to challenge you on when you're saying, Mm, I'm not sure I agree with that or the way that you um, conducted yourself with that person, I, I, don't, I didn't think that was right. When you stand on the word and the truth of God is in your hearts, yeah, it says, it says that even when you're speaking the truth and people are rejecting you, that God, that God is still with you wherever you go and however you stand. And actually, you know, in the end, the truth is the truth. Whether or not people accept it, like there is no middle ground truth. It's either it is the truth or it isn't the truth. And so whilst people may reject you when you're kind of proclaiming the truth um, and the goodness and of the gospel, in that instant, it can actually seem like, well, was that the truth? But I'm just telling you, God's word is everlasting. And so if it's everlasting and, and Jesus has already rendered and defeated death and has already conquered Satan, then you, the word that you're, coming, that you're standing on, the word that's already in your heart, that it can't be eradicated. It might seem in that moment, like it says, it talks in the Bible about walking through the shadow, through the valley of the shadow of death. And what I love about that scripture is um, often when we t- some people talk about it, obviously it's dark and obviously um, it can seem like it's alone. But often in a valley, things grow there because there's water and water like um, uh, helps things to grow. And so in, often in those tough times when people are challenging you about your, your attitude or your, your, um, your perspective on some things, it can seem like, well, God, like, where is this? But often you don't realize the seeds that you're planting is going to have uh, an impact in the future. It might be the next day. It might be in the next week. It might be in two years to come. But it's about that thing what um, Andrew was saying yesterday and what Jesus says um, in the Gospels in Mark that you need to take heart and know that God is I am. That God is I am. Can I get amen? Amen. 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 Now in verse 14 it says, You are the lights of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. 
Now, I just want to unpack that just a little bit. And I'm going to walk, I want to start from the end of that scripture. And it says, let your light shine before the same way. Sorry, it says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Now, there are a lot of people in the world who don't know God, who don't know Jesus, who think that good deeds is what's going to get them into heaven. And all this week, we've been talking about how it's Jesus that unifies us to the father in heaven. It's not about your deeds. You could do a million good deeds and that still wouldn't be enough to get you in heaven. And I think that's such a a thing that we keep hearing in our society that, oh, you know, she's a good person. Oh, he's a good person. That person does good deeds. And whilst obviously the Bible says that, like, I just want to illustrate the point that obviously good deeds are good things to do. It is good to be kind to people. It's good to honor people. It's good to be respectful to people. It's good to even help your parents with the washing up and doing like washing as well. Um, But I want to clarify that good deeds isn't enough to get you into heaven. But what does get you into heaven is when you accept Jesus as your personal savior. When you accept that Jesus has overcome and that Jesus is the only thing that has completely wiped away your sins, the things that you're struggling with in your heart and your mind, the things that you're thinking that people don't see. It's because of Jesus that actually that light shines in us. And um, like, it's just such a good thing to, I know it's so obvious, but it's a good thing to keep reminding ourselves because I think sometimes we can get, I get into the habit of something, oh yeah, I just did something good and that's really good. But God doesn't actually care about that because actually, um, you know, before there was sin, I guess good deeds would have just been good deeds. But God is so concerned with the quality of your heart and he's so concerned with like, oh, I messed up this day. And a bit like um, David, who's that hot, hot, hot mess. Oh, I, love, I love David, man, because listen, yeah. David was that guy who saw Bathsheba and was like, she's married. Let me send her husband to war so that he can die so that I can sleep with her. What kind of madness is that? And he's the kind of guy, you know, whose son really sadly raped his sister. And then the other brother was like, you've raped my sister. I'm going to kill you. So David's house was all over the place. And yet the Bible still describes him as a man after his own heart. And you work that one out. It's like David didn't do good deeds. David, don't get me wrong. He did do some good things. But when we read about David, there are a lot of things that he just did not do right. And yet the Bible says that God, that he was a man after his God's own heart. And it says in Chronicles that God um, walked with David wherever he went. So that signifies that it's not about deeds, that it's about heart. It's about how much I'm willing to let the Lord use me in the things that he's called me to, to be. Now, when we accept Jesus, sometimes it's not quick um, the change and the transformation that we're hoping. You know, sometimes we look at the person to our left and we look at the person to our right and we're like, they accept Jesus. It seems like, you know, they've just got their life in order and it's just really easy. And you and I both know that life is just not easy. Like it's, it's not easy. Like it's, it's a hard, it's a struggle. Sometimes it's a struggle to be around lots of people. Sometimes it's a struggle to revise and to get into exams. Sometimes it's a struggle to genuinely love people. And I just want to share this story um, with you. Um, and I actually, I was in at the end of the Big Top yesterday. I got to share it with a couple of um, young ladies. But I want to share it with you guys. Because this is an example of people who have light. Where When Jesus calls us to love. In um, where 1 Corinthians, it talks about love being patient, kind. Not being envious, not being jealous. And I just want to share this story with you of um, these Christians who really demonstrate what it means to have the light of Christ in their life. 
So I was told this story a couple of, maybe like over 10 years ago when I was in youth. And um, it basically was, there was this guy who was, um, who, who was like, who used to dress as a woman and he used to be like a lady of the night. Um, do you know what that means? Yeah. Just a prostitute. Oh, sorry. Okay. A lady of the night is another word for a prostitute. And um, it's a, it's a, it starts sad, but it ends so beautifully. And so this guy was a, was a prostitute um, and some, and, and he was a woman or he dressed as a woman. Um, and one night some guy was obviously trying to get some, um, but whatever happened, uh, this man started abusing him and started um, hitting him and like beating him up. And it just so happened that there were these two Christian pastors who, you know, those things where God just intervenes at the most maddest times. You're just thinking, God, your timing, man. It's just actually insane Um, that these two Christian guys happened to walk past whilst this assault was happening. And what is so beautiful, beautiful about this next part of this story is that these Christian guys, yeah, they didn't look at the fact that this guy was a man who was dressed as a woman who was a prostitute. They just saw a person who was just in trouble. And their first reaction wasn't to be like, oh, let me just... Obviously, don't get me wrong. If you see somebody being assaulted, it is good to judge a situation before you just jump in there because you don't want to put yourself in trouble. But the point that I'm making is that their first thought was like, ah, there's somebody in trouble. I need to go help them. And as this man was being assaulted, they helped this guy. And um, obviously, they took him to the hospital. um, And, you know, he got patched up. And, you know, they just started building relationship. And I just was so overcome. And that's just the beginning of the story. I was so overcome by it because I was just like, wow, these guys who love Jesus, they didn't judge this man on his life that he was living. They just saw a person and they, they acted on what God says to go love people. And I'm not talking about this fake woke love that we hear in, you know, in the world at the moment. There's a lot of like love is love. And, you know, I love people. And, you know, we need to love others. But people are really good at speaking. But I don't think people are very good at doing and genuinely loving people with a deep, deep, deep affection. Um, And this story is a story of those men who had a deep affection for this guy. Why? Because they've understood that Jesus, for God so loved the world that they sent Jesus down, that God sent Jesus to die for us. And they caught love. Um, they caught, they've understood what the gospel is about. The gospel is saying loving your neighbor genuinely, not with your mouth, not kind of up here like, oh yeah, I love that person, but by action, by doing it. And so as they um, helped this guy, um, I can't remember his name, but I guess that's irrelevant anyway. But as they were helping this guy, um, they started to build relationship and then obviously they, they converse and they're talking about like what they do. They're saying we're pastors of a church and he was like, oh my gosh, like you're Christians. Like, whoa. Um, and, um, and what they did is they invited this guy to church. And again, it wasn't like you need to change and stop dressing like a woman. It wasn't like you need to change your mannerisms and be a man, whatever that is. It was just that like, come as you are. And I think we say that a lot at church, but I don't know like, how many people genuinely believe that God actually says you need to come as you are. And I just want to like stress to any of you here who don't know Jesus yet, or you're kind of like working out and being like, oh, like this Jesus sounds all right. Like he sounds all right. I want to say to you, Jesus literally says, come as you are. And this guy started coming to church and I can't really remember like the period of time, but let's just say for the sake of this story, like it was about a year, two years that he was coming to church and he was coming to church as a woman 
And do you know what? The whole church responded so well to him. They just chose to love him. They chose to understand where he came from. Obviously, he had a very deep and dark, complex past that, you know, um, not everyone can get into. But what was amazing is just how much this, the church got around this guy in genuinely loving him and accepting him um, because that's what Christ has called us to do. And um, what's so beautiful is as this man kept attending this church and was just being loved by the, uh, the pastors and the people and um, obviously, you know, I can't assume that everybody was happy with that because, you know, there are even still people in church who say that they love people, but they don't genuinely love people. And I want to challenge you on that, like to know deep love and how to deeply love people. Um, and, you know, if you read um, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 8, it's a very famous scripture in the Bible. It talks about how we are to love people. And God even says, you know, um, that the greatest commandment is obviously to love him with everything that you have and then to love your neighbor as yourself. So love literally is the pinnacle of our faith. Love is the pinnacle of our faith. And this guy, as he's continuing attending church, um, he's hearing more and more of the gospel. And he's, as he's hearing more and more of the gospel and hearing who Jesus is, he's thinking, this Jesus, guys, I just said to you earlier, he's all right. Jesus is all right. And I think, you know, a lot of people have grown up with misconceptions of church misconceptions that church is super judgmental and don't get me wrong because I've been in instances where I'm like yeah the church is mad judgmental but do you know why sometimes the church is judgmental because it's made up of people the church isn't the building the church isn't the nice lights it's not even the stained glass windows if you meet in an old church or like you know if you oh what's yeah um but church is the people the church is you and I it's the body and again, as I said, like there's so many different kinds of you here and God completely knew what he was doing when he was like, I'm going to make you, 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 you all like this. Because actually together, when we're unified, we make this body that has different parts, arms, legs, eyes, ears, feet, toes. They all serve a purpose. And as this guy is learning, sorry, I digress a little bit, sorry. As this guy um, was learning more and more about Jesus and in this context of church, uh, he had never experienced church like this before because he thought the perception of church was bare judgment or they're not going to set me because I'm a prostitute. I'm also a man, but I dress as a woman. Um, you right, Timmy? Okay. <laughs> um, and then one day they did like a, an altar call about who wants to be, who wants to respond to the gospel of, this G, of, of Jesus. And this guy just came to the front and he said, like, I want to accept Jesus. And it wasn't like an instant thing that he accepted Jesus. Like I said, it was a period of time before he came to the front. But he said a huge part to play in why he came to Jesus was because of the way that people um, treated him. And, you know, I go back to that scripture where it says that you've been called to let your light shine. And that's exactly what those pastors did. They let their light shine, the convictions that they had of Jesus, to go love that man, to bring him into church, and then he eventually gave his life to Jesus. Do you know how powerful that is? That's so powerful. So, so powerful. And eventually, as he accepted his life to church, as he accepted Jesus, when you accept Jesus and you meet with him, and when, that, when, you, when Jesus collides with your heart, you change. But you don't change as in like, don't give me up. Some areas of your life might change because if you're doing some things, you know, after he accepted Jesus, he, you know, he wasn't like prostituting anymore. Do you know what I mean? There are some things that you dramatically have to cut off and change. But essentially of like who he is and who like God called him to be and like the humor that he might have had, that essentially didn't change. But his, his, his mindset and his heart and his mind about actually I want to live honorably and I want to live my life um, for God 
fundamentally, those fundamentals changed in his life. And I was like, wow, so powerful. And, you know, I just want to encourage you that like, if some of you are here and you've accepted Jesus or, um, this week, um, or you have, you know, you've been a Christian for a while and you're like, oh, my life isn't changing. The great thing about being young and the great thing about living on this earth is that you have time. Time is a great thing from God, which allows us to, every time that we feel like we've taken five steps back when we've made a step forward, you can come back again. And Jesus doesn't relent in like pursuing you. And Jesus doesn't doesn't get tired when you're like, Lord, I just sinned again. And Lord, I'm just struggling with this. Like he likes it when you come to him with that, because that's what he wants. Because actually in in your struggle um, and in struggles that you have, you can bring a you can be a light to somebody and you can encourage them to help through which is why i want us to pray for friendships at the end of this um at the end of this seminar um and as this man like accepted jesus he eventually just to like wrap up the story he eventually um he eventually stopped dressing as a woman and uh he uh started like can i say dressing like a guy i guess just his like demeanor changed and when i say his demeanor it just meant like in as Christians that like we have like this world and we have a spiritual world and that you know I don't it's not I, the spiritual world is not here to scare you like it's a very real we believe in the Holy Spirit so we also know that there's unclean spirits that are there um and as this guy when Jesus comes into your life yeah Jesus snuffs out the darkness he snuffs it out and he fills you with light and it was just so clear that when this guy accepted Jesus people are looking at him be like you look different bro you got a glow You've got a, you've got a, a little highlighter on your face. Do you know what I mean? It was just, the, the light was just hitting him. And that's what Jesus does is that he can take people at the darkest, darkest situations and can make somebody look super, super attractive. Now I'm not talking about the attractive that's like, as in, oh, you look buff or are oh, you look paying. I'm talking about attraction that's like, there is something about your character. There's something about your personality that I'm looking at and I'm going, that is attractive. I want what he has. I want what she has. That's the kind of light that came into that young, that man's life. And the story ends, which is just absolute madness. And I, you know, I want to qualify that this isn't always everyone's testimony, but what was powerful about that is that my man obviously was a woman and he was a prostitute. In the end, he got married to a woman. I was like, whoa. Um, and so his testimony, it's not everyone's testimony. I, w- I want you to be clear about that. Like it, this was his testimony. His testimony was that God completely did a 360 and took him from this mindset into another mindset to the point that he was like, I never thought I was ever going to marry a woman. And he married a woman. That's, that's a bit mad. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it was just so powerful. And it always, I just wanted to share that with you because I wanted to share with you that with you because first of all, it was because of the convictions of those pastors about I need to love my neighbor as myself that this man heard the gospel of Jesus and his life was transf- like were incredibly transformed. And I'm calling you and God, well, I'm not calling you. God is calling you to be those people who are lights in the world. Now, I know that there are different people in your schools or in your um, social settings, even in your families who need you to be the light in their life. And I'm not saying sometimes being the light might be the friend who's just a counselor. And I know sometimes it can be hard taking on other people's burdens. And I want you to hear me. You're not here to take on people's burdens, but there are times in life where you need to stand with your friends and you need to stand with your family. And sometimes you might not even necessarily have the words to say, but you just need to be present. And that's really important. 
It's so important to be present in people's lives. And how else are you called to be the light in this world? Again, like I was saying in the, the big top earlier, sometimes it might mean that you have to challenge behavior that you know deep down in your heart and in your spirit, that's not right. It can feel uncomfortable, but as I said to you before, dare to be different. Can you say that? Dare to be different. Oh, I need it with a bit more vim. Dare to be different. Lovely. Um, and sometimes being the light in the world literally just even means smiling at people. Now, smiling at people, obviously, don't get me wrong, because sometimes, let's be real, you wake up or, you know, you've had a bad day, your face might be like this. And you know when people say to you, like, what's wrong with your face? And it's very annoying. Like, it is actually annoying. It's like sometimes it is okay to be... I'm not happy. But when I say smiling at people, you actually have no idea sometimes how much a smile can change somebody's outlook. They might have been having a bad day and you might be having a bad day, but you just be like, Do you know what? I'm walking past something. Let me just flash my little pearlies. Let me flash my teeth. You have no idea what that can do. And I've been in scenarios and situations where that's just been me. I've been like, I've had a really rubbish, really rubbish day. And somebody doesn't even know me, just flashed a smile. I was like, oh, and obviously, because we're in the UK, sometimes it's like we're a bit doom and gloom. Do you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, that person just smiled at me. And it's like, I want to encourage us, even when we're not feeling good, to smile at people. It can feel a bit alien to smile at people sometimes. But everyone practice their smile. Go like this. Hey. Sometimes we just need to smile at people. And you might be surprised that when you're smiling at somebody, that it might do something to your own soul of being like, oh, yeah. It's good to smile. It's good to connect with people. And, you know, I know we talk about social media all the time. And, you know, social media. I love social media. I think it's an excellent tool. Um, But it's good to connect with people physically. Look up from your phone. Look at people in their eyes and just smile. Or just say hello. Or just be like, you all right? Do you know what I mean? It can make a big, big difference. That's how you can be lights in this world. Now, going on to the next bit of scripture, it says, from verse 14, it says, you are the light of the world, a town on a hill that cannot be hidden. Now, when you have Jesus, yeah, when you've met with that living God, it is impossible for the darkness to snuff it out. Now, there are some people who might be like thinking, well, I've had a friend who was a Christian and then they turned away. And so does that mean that the light's gone from them? And, you know, just because people have turned away, that doesn't mean that they can't come back to the Lord. And I think if you've really met with the living Jesus, if you've met with the living God, that light is never really, really snuffed away. It might take them 50 years to get back there, but they'll get back there. And that's what's why God is so powerful because it's like when you've had that deep conviction, when you've met deeply with Christ and you've met deeply with the Holy Spirit, yeah, you can't forget that. You know, people do so much to block out things to be like, no, I don't want to go to church or it's football on Sunday or it's my friends or it's the rave on Saturday or whatever, whatever it is that you like to do. People are like, oh, that can suffer. Trust me, when you've met with the living Jesus, it cannot be snuffed out. And I've just been super encouraged because last year I had a, quite a few friends who turned away from God. Some of them are still away, but I'm hearing murmurs of some of them coming back because in the end they're just realizing the light is good. Jesus's light is so good. And I just think when you see people around the campsite, I'm, I'm hoping that you have people in your life that when you look at them and you see these Christians, you're like, they have something that I want to aspire to be. And I want to let you know that there is, there is no limit on the light as in, like, the light is limitless. It's unlimited. It is for your, uh, d- like, you can keep growing in it and growing in it. The facets of Jesus, the characters of Jesus, it's unending. And so the more you spend time in here, 
the word, the more time you spend in prayer, understanding who Jesus is, the more you're just going to keep filling yourself with the light, filling yourself with the light. And I want to stress that friendship is super important in like continually and walking in the light of Christ. Now, my friend, one of my like best friends is here in the campsite. And um, when I was about oh, 14, 15, I made this comment on the bus that I was like, my non-Christian friends give me the exact same thing as my Christian friends. Now, I want you to hear me again because like, my best friends, most, I have a lot, of, a lot of my friends aren't Christian, but like, my core friends are Christian. And she really challenged me. She was like, well, how can, how can they give you more if you're not even running the same like, walk of life of them? And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, Becca, you're a Christian who loves Jesus and you're, you're, you know that the end goal for you, the destiny is eternity with God. Your friend doesn't even know God and they're just living for the next day, living for the next day. And I was, we're going back and forth. And then the next day I messaged her because I was actually really convicted by the thought that actually me and my friend, even though she's my closest friend, we bond over football, we bond over music. Ultimately, the thing that God has called me to do, to be the light in the world, to be a salty person, she, she's, not, she's not trying to do that. And it really... Part of me was sad because she was right. But another part of me was like, whoa. This is why we have the body of Christ. Because trying to run this race called life yourself, it is tiring. It is hard work. As I said, the enemy will try and swipe you at your knees, your ankles, your feet. And he will try and stop you from trying to pursue the things of Christ and pursuing sharing the good news of Jesus. And I remember before I met my friend, um, her name's Jasmine, by the way. Um, and um, before I met Janelle at the back, so obviously we, we kind of go in a little trio. Yes, Janelle, I'm t- pointing towards you. Um, we move in a little trio. We call ourselves Yas <laughs> um, That Sorry, that's Ben Niki, sorry. Um, but before I met these guys and we, our friendship was solidified in Christ, I remember saying to my mom, I've always been that kind of person who had loads of friends, loads of friends. Be like, yeah, friends from here, friends from over there. Becca, you've got so many friends. But I was like, Lord, I remember saying to my mom, I was like, mom, but I want to have friends who are in Christ because like, it's all well and good having all these friends over here who, you know, we can kick it, we can do football. But I was like, when, I need to, when I'm struggling and I'm like, I need prayer, I'm like, I can't go to my friend who doesn't love Jesus and who isn't living in Jesus because they'd be like, well, what am I going to pray for you about? Like, just get over it. Obviously, they're not all like that. So, but that's just for the sake of the example. And I remember just praying a simple prayer of my mum one night before I went to bed. And I was like, she just prayed. She was like, Lord, we just ask that you would put people in Becca's life who love you, love Jesus more than they love me. And lo and behold, like Janelle, Yasmin and I, we've been friends for like 15 years. And often it makes me laugh because people are like, how come you guys are still friends? And the reason why we're still friends is literally because of Jesus. It's not because of the interest. Don't get me wrong. We share, we have things that we have in common that obviously bond us together. But ultimately what bonds us together is the fact that we're all one in Christ, that we're sisters in Christ. And I just, you know, sometimes I'm probably like, I'm not the mushy one in the group, but sometimes I can be a bit mushy. And I'm like, oh, guys, I just thank God so much for you because you just don't understand that when I'm really struggling, like, I just, can you pray for me? I can't tell you how often in our group we're like, guys, I need prayer, 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 prayer. And I, and I want to, at the end, I want to pray for you guys that you have s- strong friendships in Christ. Because when you leave New Day and you go back into your environment, yeah, it's the battlefield again. 
and sometimes what helps us to get and navigate through the battlefield and obviously not dismissing and um, the Bible and in prayer, sometimes what helps you get through the battlefield is somebody who's walking the same race that you're walking or running, walking, etc., etc. And, you know, I think in some part, like when I've talked to some older Christians, um, like, I don't know how much like friend we talk about friendship in Christ, but I don't know how deep we go about in friendship in Christ sometimes, you know, be like, yeah, Jesus is our friend. And we kind of just pass skirt past that. But I can't tell you how much Jesus valued friendship. It talks about Jesus was close with the three, the 12 and then the 72. Jesus rolled with his people. Do you know what I mean? They're always by his side because, it, although let's be real though, when they're in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and Jesus was praying to God, you know, they were sleeping. That was a bit weak from the disciples. Shame. But you know what? They're human. And sometimes friendship is like that. Sometimes we're like, where's our friends? But do you know what's the most important thing? It's the heart. Now, I can't always be there for Janelle. Janelle can't always be there for me. We can't always be there. Yasmin lives in Blackpool. I mean, I don't know who told her to go to Blackpool. No, God told her to go to Blackpool. But no, genuinely, God did tell her to go to Blackpool. Um, And I remember it being a big, a, a bit of a thing for me being like, oh, but like, you're kind of, Yasmin, you're breaking away from the trio because you're going all the way up north and we're still down south. Um, and I remember being a bit sad about it because it's not like we're going to get to kick it how we used to kick it. We're not going to get to hang out how we used to hang out. But, you know, God gave us social media and WhatsApp and that stuff so we can still connect and FaceTime and all of that. But ultimately, the distance between Blackpool and London, I don't know what that distance is, but it's a big distance doesn't stop us from having that friendship in Christ. It doesn't stop me from calling Yasmin and being like, I was just praying for you today and I just really felt the Lord just say this about you and I want to encourage you in this. Or, you know, Janelle, um, you've had a long day at work and I just, like, just, I want to chat. Me, to be honest with you, me and Janelle, <laughs> after work, we just have these pointless conversations. And I'm somebody, and I think we, all three of us, we feel things really deeply, but I think we, we kind of um, externally express it in different ways now I don't always like to say how I'm feeling but if I just call Janelle and we're just chatting about (laughs) we actually chat about rubbish (laughs) when I think about some of our conversations I'm like okay we just spent two hours talking about nothing but it's a comfort and I know that when I'm talking to Janelle and that when I've come off the phone with her, sometimes I don't even have to ask her to pray. She just does it. It's just an automatic reaction. And I, and I want to encourage you to seek out friendships where you're going to have friends who are going to pray for you. Not when you ask for prayer, but even when just in their quiet time, they're like, I'm praying for you. Yeah. And being the light on the hill, if there are more of you being lights on the hill, more and more people are going to see Jesus. More and more people are going to be pointed to Jesus. And that is a beautiful and a wonderful thing. And I want to encourage you that you guys should be praying for your friendships, praying for your friendships in schools. So obviously, if your friends who aren't Christian become Christian, for your friends who are Christian and who are struggling and people in your youth group that you've never really like chat to, but you're like, do you know what? It's actually really important because we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm going to see if I can find something that we can connect on. And everyone in here, if you're a Christian, the one thing that we can all connect on is amen. It's Jesus. Easy, easy. And, and so we're going to spend some time in a shortly just uh, praying about being um, uh, friendships in uh, your friendships and praying about being culture changers, being the light on the hill. Um, and the last bit says, neither do people who light a lamp, put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Again, I don't know why the Bible talks about putting a light under a bowl. I don't know when anyone would ever do that. Uh, but I guess it's just trying to make the point that actually you wouldn't put a light under. Oh, that's well, that's why. Because you wouldn't put a light under a bowl. That's why. Duh. Um, 
And I just want to I just want to say that like sometimes things will try and snuff you out. But you need to take firm in the promises of the word. You need to take firm in when you're in your prayer time, in your, uh, um, in your quiet time, in your prayer time, or when you're collectively praying with one another, that like, God is fully hearing your prayers and fully going before you. A good, pray to, a good prayer to pray is, um, Lord, go before me. Guide my steps before I even get to where I'm going. And, you know, sometimes you'll be thinking, but if I'm just going to school, like, I, yeah. Ask God to go before you in your school. Ask God to go before you in church. Ask God to go before you in your sport or your drama or your debate or whatever it is that you do. Um, And and don't be afraid to be that kind of light that stands here when everyone is trying to stand here. That thing about daring to be different, to stand here so you're not the light that's snuffed away. And actually, we believe that our God is bigger than any human on this earth, yeah? Yes, we do. Can we say that with conviction? Yes. Yes. Amen. So if God is bigger and better than any human and anything on this earth, what have we really got to be fearful about? Now, again, I know that's super like, easy to say, but it's a thing that we have to keep repeating to ourselves over and over and over and over and over again. Because Jesus has won the victory. Satan has been defeated. Death has been conquered. So... If we know that and we believe that, we have to keep confessing it over and over our lives. So even when we're in the sticky situation, we're in an awkward situation, that light can't be snuffed out because God is bigger than that. And, um, and I want to encourage you that um, the more time, I've, I know I've said it a lot, but I really can't stress how important it is to be in your word because I think if you have the word in your heart when there's things going on around you that make you feel uncomfortable or people are whispering lies or the devil's whispering lies in your ears you have something to stand on and the bible um when they talk about the armor of god it talks about the armor being like a the bible being like a sword and I, I don't know if you you guys are too young for this song does anyone remember you does anyone remember the song bibles bibles what oh wow it goes, and it's Bibles, Bibles, swing for the word like Bible. No, I'm not even going to bother. Wow, it's completely gone over your heads, but that doesn't matter. But the Bible describes the word of God being like a sword. And when you stand on the word, yeah, and people are saying things that contradict or trying to go against what the Lord is saying, you get your Bible and you swing, swing. Because actually, the more that you spend in your word, the more that you have the word written in your heart, the more that you can reject what that person is saying because you know the promises of God. People, you, people are seeking out lots of different things, crystals, rocks, putting out there trying to find like hope and trying to find direction. And we have this, the word, literally. It's actually crazy that the Bible was written thousands and thousands of years ago and yet it's still relevant here in 2019. And I think people who don't understand Christianity and just like, oh yeah, the Bible is so archaic. They've completely missed it. And that's how you know they haven't read it because actually the Bible is so relevant to today. And actually there's all these different things. Sometimes it can be like the Bible's a bit like this confusing language and it's all a bit, oh Lord, why are you using that example? But this is why we ask for God for wisdom before we read the word. Be like, God, help me to unlock the truth so that when I go to my school or to uh, my club, whatever it is, that, Father, that I can stand and rest on that scripture, that when, I'm do- when I am feeling insecure, oh, bam, I can just think of this scripture. Or like when you're having um, some bad thoughts, going back to Philippians 4, 8, yes, what is true? What is noble? What is right? What is pure? What is lovely? What is admirable? If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, let me meditate on that. 
And it's important that when you um, when you're reading the word that you like, because I think sometimes the Bible the Bible is hard to read because there's lots of different stories. It's small text sometimes. I'm like, I don't know why it's so small, but. The Bible is good for your souls. It's the thing that's going to grow. It's the thing that's going to, when people are trying to snuff out the light, that you are going to be able to counter it with the word of God. You're going to be able to counter it. The more time you spend in your devotional time, the more time that you spend personally with God, the more you're going to hear his voice. Now, sometimes people are like, I don't hear God's voice audibly. Well, he's given you the word. That's where he's constantly speaking. And, you know, honestly, big up to anyone who's heard the audible voice of God, because I'm jealous. I've got some spiritual like jealousy right there, because... um, to hear the voice of God, I think would be but obviously incredibly scary, but incredibly dope. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I just, I want you to stress that being in your word and being in prayer is what's going to keep fueling your light, which is going to keep fueling your saltiness. It's going to be the thing that you have to keep running back to every time, every time. Because why? The words in this book don't change. God doesn't change. We change. One minute we're happy, one minute we're sad. One minute we're joyous one minute we're cracking bands one minute we're just don't even talk to me but God is just not like that God is so consistent God's word is so consistent that's why I'm so passionate about it because when it clicked for me that like this is unchanging but I am very changing I was like ah I can rest in that because it doesn't waver the word doesn't change the truth is the truth and I was like God you, you, you know what you're doing he just knew what you were doing and I just, it's so encouraging. And I want to encourage you that, um, the, again, I know I keep saying it, but I just, I can't tell you how passionate I am about the word of God, is that the more you're in it, the more it's going to fuel your saltiness. It's going to fuel your light. And um, again, just don't underestimate the good things that you do. And I think for those of you who, um, um, for those of you who are like, but I'm, you know, I'm doing like good things in secret. I just want to say, yeah, God sees everything that you do. The things that you do publicly and the things that you do in your quiet time. Don't underestimate the things that you do in your quiet time is not reflected in what you do publicly. You might not be aware of it, but people, people are very good at reading other people. And when it's genuine, you can tell. When it's a bit fake, that fake work love that I was talking about earlier, people are very quick to be like, mm, okay, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, okay. And dismiss it. And so I want to just end by encouraging you um, about your saltiness in your life. Keep doing the things of God in secret. Keep doing the things in your quiet time. Because in your quiet time, when you've not got lots of people around you, narrowing in your ear and, you know, um, telling you this, that and the other. And you're, you're focused on your word and you're focused on like, what, hearing from the Holy Spirit, hearing from God. That's when he's going to do the most refining and the most chipping. You don't have to do much work apart from be, like sit on your bed, sit on the floor, I don't know, wherever you find your comfort and spend time in the word of God. Amen. Right. Can you all stand? We're going to go into a time of prayer. Now, the first thing I just want to pray about is um, about being salty, about those of you who want to be culture changers in your, in your environments and in your scenarios. And I just want you to just lift up your hand and close your eyes. You don't have to lift up your hand. However you feel comfortable responding to God. And I just want you to just say in your heart to God, Lord, I want to be a culture changer. I want to be a person that when I talk to people, my words give life. And when I talk to people, people know that I'm coming from a different kind of source. I'm coming from the source that's in the word of God. I'm coming from the source that's spent in my quiet time. 
Lord, I pray for every single young person here, um, Lord, who wants to be a culture changer in their context, in their environments, wherever they are, when they go back home, in school, sixth form, in their clubs. Lord, I pray right now that you just impart courage and boldness for those people to be salty. That Lord, that when they, when they walk into rooms, Father, and they see things that they know deep down is not right or it doesn't sit well with them, that they're not afraid to go against the grain and be like, do you know what? My God has called me to be different. He's called me to be a, 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 unlike other people. He's called me into the light. He's called me to stand for truth and justice. I pray right now, Father, that you would impart boldness and courage into every single person in this room, Lord, to dare to be different. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the ultimate example of somebody who dared to be different, did it differently, walked differently, chilled with the sinners, chilled with the prostitutes, chilled with the tax collectors, and yet we're still so salty, Lord. Thank you, God, that, um, that Jesus, that you are the perfect example of what it means to be somebody who can be both here in this world, which is dark, God, but actually be untainted because they have spent time in the lonely places praying to you, Father, spending time getting to know you. And I pray, God, that people here, Father, that there'll be something birthing in their hearts, Lord, about I need to spend more time with God and I need to spend more time in my word, understanding and shaping myself to be a salty person so that I can be effective in my community. Lord, I pray for every single person here, Father, that they would have that mindset um, of, of, of being a culture changer. That they would seek every opportunity where they can show a Lord, not say, but show what it means to love Jesus and to love thy neighbor as themselves, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you would just... Impart also, Father, just new things into people's hearts, Father, things that they've called to, to where they're going to step, step a foot and be leaders of things, God. Whether it's a little small group in school or starting an alpha course, Father, or just inviting a friend to youth group or inviting a friend to church. Lord, I pray, help people to step out their comfort zones, God, to share more of your goodness, share more of your glory and to do what we've been called to do, Father, which is make disciples of women and men. And now I just want you to just go into groups of twos and threes. And I want you to pray with your friends. Oh, we've just had a word. Okay. Sorry. Um, gathering your groups of twos and threes. And we're just going to start praying for friendship. And I just want you to think, pray for three areas of your friendship. That the friends that you already have, that you couldn't, the th all of you would continue to grow deeply in the word of God together and that you would that your friendship would be cemented in Christ that your friendships would be fruitful not only in church but would be fruitful in other areas and communities that you find yourself in and that your friendships never lose sight of having fun being a Christian 
So I'm just going to start praying for that. And I just love for you guys when you're ready to start praying for one another, praying that the Holy Spirit would just be in your friendships, pray that you, um, good things over your friends. And if you know that there's stuff going on in their lives, let's start praying into it. Let's start walking and journeying with one another. So yeah, Lord, I just pray for every friendship here, Lord, every friendship, God, that hasn't even been, um, uh, made yet, Father, or hasn't even been established. Father, I thank you so much that you care about friendship, Jesus. Thank you that you chilled with your friends. You realize how important it is to be in community. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would strengthen friendships in this place right now, God, to be friendships that are situated and firm on the rock of Christ, firm on the word, Lord. I pray, Lord, that um, in the friendships will continue to grow where actually they're prophesying over one another, Lord. They're speaking into each other's lives, Lord. I pray, God, that um, together that they would be culture changers in their different environments outside of church, Lord. I pray friendships wouldn't just flourish in church. I pray, God, that they would flourish outside of church and outside of youth groups. And Lord, I pray, God, that every friendship here, Lord, and friendship that you are going to um, um, bring into fruition, Lord, would never lose the sight of having fun and having losing sight that actually being a Christian doesn't mean you need to be dry like the chicken, Lord, but actually that you can be super, super flavorsome. And I pray, Lord, that these friendship, God, will never lose sight, Father, will never get away with, from coming from your truth, but it would be situated and stand firm in your truth in Jesus' name. Right, we've got a couple of words and Sarah's going to share something. Um, so I felt that like there are people here who are um, just trying to blend in at school and college uh, and college f- for one reason or another, maybe fear or shame. Um, you're looking at those around you and just trying to be like them. And I was reminded of um, the children's book, um, Elmer the Elephant. That if you know it, it's an elephant who's uh, all the colours. He's patchwork elephants, and um, he tries to be like all the other elephants in the jungle. And he covers himself with grey. I think he rolls in grapes or something like that, and he turns a grey colour. But actually, they they know straight away it's like where's Elmer gone actually they start to miss him because he's all the fun he brings all the joy and um yeah it makes them sad um so yeah I was reminded um of the the scripture that uh, Rebecca's just shared with you is the message version of this and it says here's another way to put it you're here to be the light bringing out the god colors in the world God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on um, the light stand, you need to shine. So I just feel like uh, there are people um, here today who maybe are feeling fearful um, and they're just trying to fit in, but actually being grey is actually it's killing you inside because that's not who you are you are all the colours and I think God just wants to bring you some freedom today he wants to bring you that courage and boldness to be who you've created to be and you are all the colours Amen Yeah um, um, who here wants to be like successful that should be everyone right who here wants to um, walk in the will of God? You want to fulfill his purposes for you. You want to make sure that you live a life that's fruitful, a life that's edifying. Um, well, God said to me a bit earlier, and um, just in the same mode of prayer, I just want you to close your eyes. Um, God was just highlighting to me that um, some of you, for some of you, um, how successful you're going to be and how, how much of God's will you're going to fulfill on this earth is actually hinged upon the people that you have around you. Uh, the Bible says that um, bad company corrupts good morals. And so um, I just want to pray a word. And even as you leave this place, 
um, God also said to me that he's actually going to start highlighting some names in your heart as to who you should distance yourself from. And it's a very harsh word. Um, you know, I, I had to do the same thing when I was younger. Um, a lot of us, you know, are even still doing it now. And, and God is going to highlight some names and God is going to tell you specifically um, who, you know, you should kind of cut off, who you should distance yourself from, the kind of friendships um, that, that you don't need in your life. And he's also going to um, bring people your way. Um, he says that actually in this act of obedience, um, in this act of obedience, you're, you're <laughs> oh God. This act of obedience is actually going to cause you um, to, to, to find the friends that he wants you to have in the name of Jesus. Um, this isn't about, like, like God, God, is, God is very much um, in partnership with you. Um, he says that you're co-laborers. It's not, God's not going to just send you a flood of friends. He, he wants you to do something. And, and it's a small act of obedience because when you cut things away, you make room for more things. Yeah? So I'm trying to pray quick. Uh, Father. We want to thank you, Father God, for your word. Um, we want to thank you for what you have revealed in this place in the name of Jesus. Father, I'm praying in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Lord God, that, Lord, you would give these young people the strength, Father, to cut any ties, Father, with people that have been bringing them down for years in the name of Jesus. You do not have to stand with them to act cool. You don't have to stand with them to, be, to, to try and fit in. You can be different in the name of Jesus. Father, I just, I just speak a wave of healing, Father God, over every heart in here in the name of Jesus Christ. You have been made wonderfully. You have been made fearfully. You are unique. You are individual. And you do not need to compromise yourself for the approval of anyone. Your father loves you. You're above and you're not beneath. You are the head and not the tail. And father, I'm praying in the name of Jesus that father, just as you brought people around me, just as you brought people around, around my friend Sam, just as you brought people around, everybody, father, got in this place who did not have friends, father, when they chose you. I pray in the name of Jesus Father, that you would bring them around in the name of Jesus. Just the same way that birds, oh God, would flock, Father God, to a nest. I'm praying in the name of Jesus that, God, you would bring every single young person here. Friends, oh God, that they can have for life in the name of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, Father God, that they can call their own in the name of Jesus. And I also pray, Father God, that as names come up in the name of Jesus, that, Father, they, they, would, not, they would not hide the names. They would not try and be like, oh God, I heard the name, but it's just my own voice. Listen. One thing about hearing the voice of God that I've learned, yeah, is oftentimes when God speaks to you, it's your own voice. Because, because you were made in his image. And so actually when he speaks to you, he speaks to you through you. Which sounds, it sounds funny, isn't it? And, and, and I know some of you probably thought, oh, rah, so what? God was talking to me all this time. Yes. You know that voice in, in, in your head that says, don't do this. And it's your voice. That's God talking to you. And so you're going to have some names come up. You're going to have some things that God's telling you to do. When you're around certain people, God's going to be like, mm. you're, going to, you're going to hear your voice saying, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be with these people. Please obey because it's going to be better for you in the long run. And you're going to really figure out who you are in Christ. Amen. One of my favorite parts of the Old Testament is when uh, Jesus says, Whenever two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be also. And it's just beautiful walking around and seeing you guys sort of come together in little groups of twos, threes and fours huddled together praying for what's coming. And I, I could just see like little pillars of light just on certain groups of you just falling down. And it reminded me back to like the passage in Exodus. I don't know if Andrew Wilson talked on this this morning. I had to leave early. Um, but when the uh, Israelites have taken out of Egypt, have crossed the Red Sea, they get led by pillars of cloud during the day and pillars of fire by night. 
I'm just really struck by these lights that are on you guys, on these little groups, that God is with you. As you go out into your schools, into your teams, into your youth groups, in little twos and threes, God is going with you. He's leading you with these pillars of cloud and a pillar of fire. He has gone before you. He is going with you now. He is coming behind you. He is all around you. And there's these little pillars of fire on all of you, all of these little groups. And so, Father, I pray for an anointing upon all these groups, all these friendships that you're building today, all these friendships that you've built in the past, the friendships that we've all benefited from up here, the friendships that I hope you guys are benefiting from now or will do in the future, God. I just pray bless these. I pray from that, let the fruit of, that, of these friendships be innumerable. Let the, let the blessings from that just be innumerable. Let the lives that these people touch be ever transformed because you've gone before us, because you are with us, because you're surrounding us, because you are doing the heavy lifting, not us. Not the fact that we're doing good works, not because we are doing anything, but because you are working through us, because you are in the midst of us. You are leading us with your pillar of fire. And I pray, God, that you would just lead us out of this tent, lead us out of this new day, Lead us into our schools and go before us and prepare the way. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a couple of things I want to say to you all, but in the weeks leading up, I, I've been to New Day before. I've been away for a few years and I was just, I love, God's reignited my love for, for young people and how passionate I am to see you all just thrive. First of all, is there anyone in the room called Gideon? Anyone? No? Or anyone with a brother whose name's Gideon? No? Okay, cool. That's fine. Um, all this morning, whilst I was listening to Rebecca, I was just reminded of the legacy of friendship that knowing Jesus has created in my life. Now, my journey with Christ started when I was very young. I was about four years old. And I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian family. And so my mum used to do what it said in the Word. Um, about it says raise your children in the way of the word and they'll follow it in their later years and one day I just turned to her and I said mum I want to know who this guy Jesus is and it was around that time my best friend at the time who was a Christian him and his family had moved abroad um, to Russia and I was around another friend of ours house and I was just crying uncontrollably because I'd lost my best friend and Emmanuel spoke about God taking things out of our lives and then bringing other things in that that wound that painful loss of a, of a good friend allowed the door for a greater friend to come in which was Christ I'm now 33 years old and I can say that Jesus is my best friend he's never failed me once now some of you a few years ago may have heard me speak about uh, my career as a photographer and the way that God had taken me into scenarios where there were not, <laughs> it was not salty in a good way. And um, through many ups and downs, there's a particular friendship that has remained. And the way that I've seen God work through it, through me, first of all, being obedient um, with, my, with the skills and gifts that he's given me. But secondly, through just trying to be a good friend has impacted not just the culture of um our culture as a as as friends but also the wider culture in society just to give you um a snippet of the level levels that god can take you to through obedience and through your commitment to him this particular friend that i'm talking about 
Um, he works in the music industry. And one day I just felt God drop him into my heart and just say, just, just send him an email, see how he's doing. And he replies to me and he said, I'm doing great. Um, well, actually, no, I'm not doing so great. I'm in Hawaii at the moment and Kanye West has got me writing on his album. And the song that he wants me to write on is I Am A God. And he said, it's, it's troubling me. <laughs> How can I write on a song that, that's called I Am A God when I'm a Christian, when I know who the real God in heaven is? And through the continued developing, listening, getting in these quiet times, these spaces, reading the word, understanding the voice of God and what that sounds like to me, I've been able to maintain that friendship and impact that friendship and ultimately impact wider society. Now, I'm not saying these things because I'm someone special. I'm saying these things as someone who's obedient, who's broken, who's made loads of mistakes. And yet, like David, God continues to use me. And that's what I want to see for all of you. There are people in here today. There are things that God's placing on your heart that are going to cause ripple effects out into society which are going to change culture way beyond anything that you can ever ask or imagine. I had dreams when I was your age and older than some of you and God has just completely blown my mind in terms of the places that he's taken me, the people he's allowed me to see, the things he's allowed me to experience. Holy Spirit, I just pray, I ask that you come now And you'd rest upon each and every individual in this room. Lord, I thank you because of your sovereignty and your power on authority. There is nowhere and no situation that those who are marked by the power of God cannot go. I thank you that your word speaks truth, goodness, power, and true love into situations that seem beyond repair. Father God, I thank you that I've had the opportunity to experience you in so many different ways lord i ask for the deep 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 beauty of friendship that i experience with you to just go out and rest upon everyone in this room i thank you for the depth of goodness that exists in your heart lord and of your willingness to draw close to us even when we run the opposite way Lord, I thank you. As I was, um, as I've been in here, some of you may have seen me looking around, and it was because I felt God reminding me of the fact that He scans rooms and He's scanning the earth, looking to bless you all. He longs to bless you. Open your hearts to Him. Allow Him in. He's the greatest friend that you will ever, 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 ever find. Thank you, Jesus.